Good morning, church. Can somebody grab that back door for me? Appreciate it. It's great to see you all again. We uh, we visited uh, the nation of Texas, and um, it was uh, it was great to be down there. It is a state of mind for sure. Uh, being in Texas, lots of Fox News everywhere. Um, very early in the morning, it was quite interesting. But um, it's good to be it's good to be home, right? It's good to be back in Vermont. Uh, you know, it's, it was 75 degrees on Thanksgiving Day. And muggy. It was muggy. I was like, oh, let's open the windows and, and we'll like let the cool air in. And people were like, no, the AC's on. And I like opened the door and I was like, yeah, there's a good reason the AC is on. It was it felt like it was that muggy wetness where it felt like almost 80. Ugh. You know, if if that's what you love, amen. There's a reason I said I should have been born where it was cold and there was mountains. And instead, I now live here, which is great. So, uh, like I said, it's good to be home uh, back in Vermont. So this morning, uh, we're continuing our Heroes of the Faith series. And as, as David said, we are talking about David this morning. All right. And uh, it was funny, you know, Euro and I didn't talk about it beforehand, but he, he already hit on one of the scriptures we're going to talk about this morning. I felt like you can't, you can't begin to talk about David without talking about David's beginning. And so you ha- you've got to start there, right? Yep. And, and I felt like it's, a, it's an aspect of, of his character that we see, and he's a hero of the faith because even at a young age, he was, he was a man with incredible character that led him to be used by God very powerfully. And so I want to talk about that this morning. Uh, but before we get started, let's go ahead and pray together. Uh, Let's bow our heads and we'll pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for just the ways that you work in our lives. We thank you for this season, uh, just a spirit of gratitude as we we finished a very American holiday, but a spirit of thanksgiving for what we have. God, I'm so grateful for all that you've given us. Thank you for this family. Thank you for this church. Thank you for your word and your son. I pray that you just be with me this morning powerfully. Let me be an instrument of your will, O oh God. Speak powerfully through me. Let your spirit just inspire your church and work powerfully that all might take away something that we can use to, to glorify you, to love you, to be inspired, and to be full of faith to live for you, God. We love you. We give thanks to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, as a quick aside, it's pretty funny. I, I was thinking about it. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys ever think like, no, no one else has a Thanksgiving. Like it's a very, like it's an American holiday. Canada has their own Thanksgiving. I'm sorry, but like, like we started it as a national holiday, and I've been listening to um, an autobiography of, of Abraham Lincoln and talking about how the first Thanksgiving got started, or the first national Thanksgiving, because the states used to do their own individual Thanksgiving. And then they decided we're going to have one, we're going to have a national holiday where we're just going to express our gratitude. And, and it, was, it was interesting listening to the letters that were written and how they talked about we could start it, but making it a season about thanking God for what he had, he had given the people who had come to the U.S. 
And I thought that was really interesting to see that that was kind of the perspective of the beginning of Thanksgiving. Um, I just don't often think of these days as the, the government just rejoicing and thanking God and creating a national holiday for that purpose. But we now have, it's, it's now a, a time of just giving thanks in general for the things we have. And so it was, it was cool to, to be listening to this audiobook as we're flying and right around the holiday season. I think it came, I listened to it the day after Thanksgiving. I was like, that was really cool. Like, that's really cool to know that. But um, that was totally a tangent, but I thought that was neat. Uh, sorry, I misspoke. Canada definitely does have its own Thanksgiving. But I thought to ourselves, like, it's still, it's still unique. You know, still unique to think about that. But let's um, dig in. So David as a hero of the faith. The title of this lesson, if you're taking notes, is Have Faith Like a King. Have faith like a king. And we are going to start in uh, 1 Samuel. We're going to start in, in chapter 16. And so, you know, I look at this and I believe that when we see David's faith, right? He is a young man in the beginning. He's, he's a young guy who's a nobody. He's a nobody. Like, there, there wasn't anything particularly significant of his of his origin right he's the he's the eighth son of of like a shepherd family like not a a a notable figure in any way shape or form and so this young man though because of certain qualities of his character was chosen by god to do incredible things and to bring about miracles and reform and and to see to lead the nation of Israel in an incredible way. And I, I look at it and I go, the, the title of this saying, Have Faith Like a King, really our whole series is about faith. If you haven't caught on to that, Hall of Faith, it's all about looking at the heroes of the faith, how, how some of them were incredibly messed up, and yet they still, God would use them. And, and I love that, seeing how God just uses imperfect beings to do incredible things. And, and ultimately, it comes from faith. And I look at us and I say, I believe that, thank you, I believe that we want to do amazing things, right? We want to do amazing things for God. And, and there are times where we feel like, sometimes I just need God to do something amazing for me and just help me out, you know? But uh, there are times where I, I believe all of us in our hearts, because of our love for God, we want to do great things for Him, right? And so... I want to look at this, though, and look at David's faith today, and, and look at his example, and even see what we can learn from his character and the qualities of how, how we can achieve some great things, and what we actually have in common with him. Amen? All right, so we're going to pick up in 1 Samuel 16, in verse 6, and, and a little bit of context for this. Samuel, the prophet Samuel, had appointed Saul as king. Saul was a coward in a lot of ways. He didn't trust God. He was very proud. He, he took a lot of God's glory upon himself. And eventually, he, God remo- he's going to remove him as king. But what has happened is, is God has told Saul, I will give your kingdom to another. And secretly, Samuel is, is out going to anoint the next king. 
All right. Now, this has to be a secret because if if Saul finds out, he's going to try and kill him. Right. He's he's going to oppose that. And we see that throughout that once he realizes it, he attempts it many times. Uh, But what we see is what did God? Why did God pick him? Right. And even where did he come from? And so we're going to pick start up here. Imagine this as Samuel's going into this little town to go find this random guy named Jesse because God has sent, sent him to go find this family. And he says, in this family, you're going to find a son. And that son, I want you to anoint to be the next king of Israel. And so he goes in secret. And so he, he gets invited to the house of Jesse. And this is where we're going to pick up in verse 6. It says this. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things of man, the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are, all, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered. But he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. And so he, he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. You know, we look at this scripture, and, and what are some things that you we can immediately draw out? There were eight sons. Like I said, he was he was the least. He was the one that they didn't even think to call him in when an honored guest had come. They just left him in the field. Like he he doesn't need to meet him. He can stay out there. And then when they're asked about him, he's like, well, he's he's out tending the field, or he's tending the sheep. And, and I love that, if you ever think about it, the, they would do a study on shepherds and their job. It's a pretty humbling job. You've you got to be patient. Sheep are dumb. You know, and, but God uses the shepherd to eventually lead his people. But he takes the, the really humble role and exalts him to become a king. Right? And, and you've got to imagine what it's like to be the little brother of eight brothers. You know, that had to be rough. I just imagine that would be really challenging. You know, I see how Ryan and and Shay act with each other, and I sometimes feel bad for their youngest brother. Uh, You know, he gets Kaylin. There's four of them. I can only imagine what it's like. But it's, you think of having eight brothers and being the least in the house, you know. And so the, the character of just, all right, hey, I'll do what I need to do. You know, kind of getting pushed around, 
getting talked down to by his older brothers. And if you ever ever read the story of David, uh, you'll see, we won't actually read that section, but his brothers are kind of insult him later. And he's like, can I not do anything? You know, uh, I'd encourage you to read it. It's a lot of fun to see kind of his, uh, his role with his brothers. But you see here that what I believe we can take away is God looks at David's heart and he says, I'm looking for something that you cannot see on first appearance, right? And I always, I remember laughing, like, that doesn't make sense. Like, he turns down the tall, good-looking older brother, but then picks the, like, still good-looking younger brother. I'm like, that doesn't make sense, you know? Uh, But it does when you think about it, because God's still looking at his heart. You know, the, the outward appearance is not what mattered to God. The fact that he was still like appealing or that he was still good looking wasn't the point. It was that his heart was good. You know, he could have he could have been the disfigured brother, you know, and still been exalted as king. And God still would have brought like victory through him because of what I believe are two primary qualities of David. And you can see them throughout his character, throughout his life. And those two characters is he had incredible humility and he had incredible trust in God. Now, because of those two aspects, God's spirit came upon him, right? What's amazing is I believe that every one of us who has become a disciple of Jesus has these character qualities. And in fact, you have the Holy Spirit. All right? Why do I say that? Because to make Jesus Lord of your life, you had to humble yourself and to trust in God. Right? You had to do those two things. And you received not just the Spirit coming upon you, but the Spirit dwelling within you. And that is even greater than what David had. And so when I, when I say this and I look at this, and you look at David's example and you see his life, I want you to consider that your character may not be that much different, or at least you have already done this once before. You've, you've acted with these character qualities. And you can see great things in your life if you embrace those as well. Does that make sense? So let's look at, the, let's look at just David's beginning, right? One of the coolest things and one of the incredible examples of actually humility and trust in God. And uh, we're going to start in 1 Samuel 17. We're going to jump over here. The, uh, that was just my intro, but I only have two points, so it should be all right. But the point one is this. Have the character of a king. If you want to have the faith of a king, you have to have the character. And like I said, many of us already do. But we got to fan that and, and cultivate that character in ourselves. But let's look at how David does this. And in 1 Samuel 17, verse 32, is where we're going to start, but... I want to paint this picture. Imagine this, all right? You're in a field. Imagine kind of a a large field, all right? And on either side, you've got thousands, thousands of men lined up with armor, with shields, with spears, and they come out every morning. And every morning, they they come out to to form their battle line, and then they just start yelling and, like, smashing their spears with their swords on their their shields, and yeah, like just yelling their normal battle cry. And they come out of their armor lines and they're screaming. 
they're trying to intimidate the other side. And both armies come to the, come to the forefront of the line. And there's no one that's leading them. And every morning, though, there's the ambulance right up. And they, they, on the Philistine side, there's this man that walks out. And his name is I'm thinking about it. Nine feet is at least where the light is above my head. Maybe slightly more. So I would stand approximately at some this person's elbow. All right. That would be intimidating. And in fact, the armies of Israel were intimidated. They, it says that they would walk out and they would scream their usual battle cry and they would yell. And they smash the swords and they'd be there and the other army would be there screaming on their side and then get, Goliath would walk out. And he would start insulting Israel and saying, come out. Come out and fight me. No one would walk forward to fight this guy. Gotta admit, nine foot dude, I'd be pretty intimidated, right? I mean, and the tallest man we, we have Recorded to live, other than this guy is a guy named David Wildhorn. He's 22. He was 8 foot 11. Right? He died at 22 because of an infection. He, he could have grown taller and lived longer. So it's, it's not unreasonable to think that Goliath actually existed. That he had a pituitary gland issue. He was a huge man and walked out and screamed, and no one would go out to him. Can you blame him? I mean, honestly, like, I wouldn't want to fight a nine-foot man. That, that just would be intimidating. And so he walks out, and he's screaming, and he's insulting Israel, and he's insulting the God of Israel, and he's proclaiming his gods. And, and so we pick up here where the king is hanging out in his tent, not leading the way, and, and he's, he's not going to lead the charge against this guy. No one else is standing up to lead the charge against this guy. But he says, if someone can lead and take this guy down, I will, will reward him greatly. And so you see this picture of these two armies gathered in this massive man screaming and insulting them. And we pick up where David shows up. And he sees this, and he's so angry. Inspired by the Spirit, he stands up, and we pick up here. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 37. And it says this. <clears throat> starting in verse 37. Oh, I'm sorry. 32. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go out and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out and fight this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy, and he has been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. 
This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, the Lord be with you. You know, it's funny, I look at this, I think this was actually an incredible act of humility. And, and I don't know if you, you guys see it that way, but he's already going, I am only an instrument of God. At the end, he's saying, the Lord is what brought victory with the lion and the bear, and the Lord is what's going to bring victory now. But he's, he's just saying, I will be the instrument of God. Like, I, I, that's not an, a, a prideful thing to say when you go, I am simply going to do the Lord's will. He's going to work through me. You submit yourself to God's power. That's not prideful to say that you're going to submit to God. It's not prideful to say that we're going to, to do amazing things by the power and the spirit of God. In fact, it's an incredible amount of trust and humility. I mean, can you imagine fighting a man that's like that? And he's, he's fought these lions and he fought bears. Oh my. You know, and we, we think about that. But he's, he's saying, no, it was God who delivered me the first time. It's him who's going to deliver me again. That's trusting God. It's faith in what God can do. It's not, it's not in what we could do or what he could do or what the army of Israel would do. It was what God was going to do. He's like, God will fill this guy. God will bring him down. Right? And so we see this. This was actually trusting God's power, not his own. And I don't know if you guys ever look at yourselves that way. When you see, like, I mean, can, anybody else ever think of it like, if I'm, if I'm going to say I'm going to do this, you feel like you're being prideful? Yeah. Right? But if we submit ourselves to God to face challenge or opposition in our lives and go, this is, I mean, he knew that it was God's will. Right? God had led him there, but he knew. Like, that was in defiance of the Lord. Like, who would dare defy God like that? And yet, he's trusting in God. When you look at yourself, do you think, I can't, I can't defeat that. I can't overcome this. Because, funny enough, that's actually pride. Do you ever think of it that way? Because I, I definitely can. I can definitely think of how it's about me. It's about what I'm able to achieve. And throughout David's life, what we would see from him is that no matter the challenge, no matter the size of the army, no matter the size of the odds, the, the, no matter what was going to happen, he would continue to trust God and humble himself. I'd encourage you to read through the story of David. But the guy had so much humility. You read through his Psalms, you know, you're a red one of them. The guy was so humble, so humble, but he trusted God so much, you know, and we can feel like this sometimes. We can feel like we're opposed and the circumstances are just beyond us. It reminded me of a story recently um, when we were down in Texas. I, I'd heard about it months ago, and I think I'd even posted about it on our Facebook page for the church. But do you guys remember 
uh, if you saw it, there was recently um, a disciple in Mexico who was kidnapped. And I don't know if you guys saw that, but um, he was kidnapped, and they were, they were asking for a ransom. And so I, we, we got an update while we were in Texas. Uh, they were talking about him. His family had owned you know, a fair amount of land, and so they had kidnapped him and were asking for about 12 million, or 12 million pesos for him, which is approximately $750,000. And they were trying to figure out what they're going to do and what they're going to do. And it turns out he was kidnapped. And once he was kidnapped, what he began to do was to share his faith with his captors. He just began to share and tell like what God had done for him through his life, began to try to, to teach them and, and share with him his faith about who God was. And uh, if I remember it right, it was just a couple days before the, the ransom was expected to be received. And they just let him go. There wasn't a clear answer for why they did it. But just a couple days before, they just they just let him go. You know? And, and I, I was, I've been actually praying for this guy. Every time I think about it, I've been praying for him. I know the church in Mexico was praying for him. There were many in Texas that I know were praying for him. And it reminds me of, of uh, the story of Peter, you know, when he was taken. And, but it was, he was just released. And they didn't tell him why. They didn't ask for the ransom. They didn't get it. But in that situation, what did that disciple do? He just shared his faith. He was faithful. He trusted he was trying to just trust God. That's, I don't know about you, like, what do you, when you think about your situation, what you would do, but what else could you do, right? You could just freak out, or you could trust God. You know, and in this situation, how David handles this is he just submits himself to be an instrument of God's will, to do something amazing, and to have something amazing happen. And, and I guess I look at us, Maybe you feel like this is difficult, but there are a few things of growing in your faith and cultivating this character of trust and humility that you could do, right? You guys ready for some practicals? All right. Because it's not easy to have this. First off, what are your Goliaths? What are your giants? What are your things standing in front of you? And you people have to know them, you know? you gotta, you got to get it out there. Does God know what they are? Of course he knows what they are, but do you tell God what they are? Right? So are you going to God in prayer? That's one of the first ones. And then the other is growing in your humility. David, he wrote so many psalms. Read through the psalms, they're his. He writes so many of them. But he's glorifying who God is. He's exalting God. He's, he knows the scriptures. He's there before him. And he's humbling himself through prayer, through singing, through, through reading the word. And so are you doing that? Are you getting your time on your knees to pray to God? And it's not, a, it's not just a simple asking. Like, God, help me have this heart. Saying, God, I submit to you as an instrument of your will. You understand what I mean by that? It's a, it's a statement. Like, it's not... You ever been on your knees and said, God, help me have this heart. I just want to have this heart. Like, help me be humble. Or help me, help me surrender to you. Or help me be patient. Sometimes, for me, it's simply praying, God, I will submit to you. I submit to you. 
But when I pray that, I don't always feel that the first time. Right? I don't know if you've ever prayed that prayer where you said, I submit, I submit, I submit. And the first, like, five times you say it, you just know you're not really submitting. I do that. But I stay there until I get there. Right? And once I get there, I feel the peace. I feel the, I I legitimately, I feel the power of God. Because it's not my strength anymore. It's his strength. And it's an incredible thing. I want to encourage you. If you don't pray like that, pray like that. Get that time. You know, I believe that that's, that was something that David did. I, I, I think it's something that he didn't just start doing once he became the king. I believe it was just something that he did early on in his life. I think we can do that too. You've already submitted to him once. I would encourage you to submit to him again and again and again. Amen? You know, secondly, get a partner in the faith. Get a prayer partner. Get somebody you can pray with and talk to. If you don't have, we have, certainly we have some discipling relationships and all of that. And some people, it can be a little difficult to meet up with. But you know what, what we really need? Discipling partners didn't start as discipleship partners. They were called just simply prayer partners. Originally. Do you have somebody you just get a hold of and pray with to encourage you in your faith? That would help you. Even if it's only one or two people. Just get somebody to pray with. Maybe just you need it on a weekly basis. Maybe a little bit more when you first start out. But find somebody to walk with. Does that make sense? You know, you can have this humility by getting somebody else in your life asking for help, and submitting to God in prayer. I know those seem like, maybe they're, maybe those are, you get it as like super practical, maybe you don't see it as very practical. If you could do those things, you will see a difference in your faith. Does that make sense, church? Amen. You know, the, uh, I, I wanted to dig into this second, this second point, because I think it's, uh, one, the scripture is just awesome. To, to look at it. Juro did actually read this. But I think when we see this, when we have this heart, when we have the faith of a king, when we have the, the spirit and the character of a king, the, the character of humility and the character of trust, we will see faithful victory. We will see incredible victory. And so the title of my, my second point is this, Faithful Victory. But it's in 1 Samuel 17. We're going to pick up in 37 through 50. I'll make this point a little bit more brief. But starting in verse 37. You've got the armies lined up. David's in the tent with Saul. And so we're, we're in verse 37. Start at the end of verse 37. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of ar- armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his, on, his, uh, on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around. But because he was not used to them, uh, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, 
put them in a pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you would come at me with a stick? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistines to the army, Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those who gathered will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. You know, I love how he responds to him. He runs at him. Goliath runs at him. David runs, runs towards Goliath with a stick and a sling, and in one shot, knocks down the giant, runs over, takes the giant's own sword, cuts off his head, leads the entire army against him. He leads, he leads the entire army against the Philistines. They saw what happened. A little boy with a staff and a sling took down their greatest soldier in moments. And when he's yelling, God is going to do this, and then that guy drops. I mean, don't you think they were like, what just happened? Right? I mean, the impossible odds of that. But this victory was God's. You know, it wasn't by, it wasn't by a sword. It wasn't by a spear. There was no shield involved. There was, there was just faith. It was faith. This guy has a bronze helmet on. And David takes him down with just a sling and a stone. You know, and, and we look at the scripture and we go, that? I mean, part of me would think, like, this kid is crazy. But in fact, what he was was faithful. You know, David believed he could win. Because he trusted in God's power. We have so many things that stack up against us. You know, for us, you know, for me, uh, I feel like this last six months, a lot has happened, right? A lot has happened. And, and some of you, I know a lot has happened. A lot of things that have gone on and uh, things have stacked up, you know. But for, for us, a lot of good things, but that create what can feel like a lot of challenge. You know, we bought a house and then we've, we're renovating the house and then we end up getting, you know, trying, but we end up getting pregnant and that happened really fast. And, and so now we're trying to get ready and we've, we've planned a, a packed fall and we've, we, we've had this whole semester where it's been go, 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 go. You know, it's, it's, 
And you guys have seen, you've seen our house, you've seen like how everything that's been going on, and it just feels like nonstop, 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 go, 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 run. But everything feels like it can build up, right? I don't know, you guys ever get that way in your life? You know, like everything you've got going on has just just mounting in front of you, and you want to accomplish great things, you want to get these things done, and you're trying to figure out, how do I do everything? It's exhausting. Exhausting. And I know that the only way I will, because for me, it's seeing the church grow. I want to see the church grow. But to see that happen, I, we, we can't stop. But at the same time, we have to stop and put our faith and trust in God. And one of the easiest things to do, I'll tell you, the minister of the church, easiest thing to do is let the ministry become my relationship with God. And to stop, like, I'll go from one appointment early in the morning to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing, and, and have all of these tasks. And I realize I can get to the end of the day sometimes, and I haven't spent my time with the Lord. And it, you get a couple days like that, and I end up feeling so drained. Because I don't, I'm not running on the power of God, I'm running on my power. That Goliath is too big for me. But it will never be too big for God. You know, the idea of I will not give you more than you can bear, the context of that is when you're with me. Honestly. Like, there will be things in our lives that we will be stacked up against. Without God, David never could have beat Goliath. The shepherd boy with no military experience going out there to fight a military man, fully armored. Without God, he couldn't have done it. You know, and so for us, we want to see faithful victories. We've got to humble ourselves. We've got to go to the Lord, but we can and we will. When we will go with God. When you go into battle, you cannot go unprepared and unarmored because God has got to be our armor, right? We've got to walk in with the Lord on our side. We've got to walk in, you know, and, and the, the way of saying it, our side, really is we're on his side, right? Like, I don't ask God to come in and, and, and help me out. It's like, all right, I'm going to, you need to go ahead and do all the work, and I'm going to come in and just do the little bit that I can, essentially, which is everything I'm capable of, but really you're doing the majority of the work, Right? Providing the energy, providing the power. And so I, I, I put this before you, church. We want to see faithful victory. What do you want to see in your life? What are your good, what are your delights? What are your challenges? What are the things stacking up against you? Because for some of us, they're a lot and they are hard. Right? But we've got to be faithful. We cannot back down. But at the same time, we've got to go to the Lord. Are you going to the Lord, church? David was an incredible example of faith, humility, trust in God. You also have that. He was a man who trusted in the Spirit of God and let the Spirit lead him. Disciples have the Spirit of God. Are you submitting and trusting in Him? There is nothing that you cannot overcome with the Lord. Right? There's nothing you can't achieve. There's nothing that we can't see. We, 
we will certainly see many victories in our church. We will see the church grow. We will see incredible things. But it requires that the first thing that we do is make sure that we go with God, that we humble ourselves under God's hand, that we submit to him, that we trust in him, and that we don't, we go with courage, right? David didn't stand and throw it. He ran towards it. He had confidence and courage and faith. Let's also run towards the things that are coming at us, having faith in God and the power to overcome. Amen? Amen. Amen.